Parashat Korach. Korach. We're used to saying Korach. Um, so Korah is a little bit of a switch. Welcome, everybody, once again, to Tree of Life, our regular folks, our guests, those uh, listening online. May you be blessed whenever and wherever you are hearing this. Korach's always a popular Torah portion. Many lessons, of course, are gained from this week's Torah portion. We're going to be starting there. One could drosh out many different lessons out of Parshat Korach, but I'd like to focus on pride this morning, the, uh, about being proud, about pride. I bring it up a lot because we should all, of course, be concerned, right, that our ethics are strong, our moral fabric is something that's consistent to the will of Hashem, right? But pride's a tough one, and very often, sometimes daily, I try to self-examine and detect any pride because it affects us all in one way or another. I have a quote about pride here. It's nice to start out with something like that to buttress your argument. Usually it's a quote from maybe Lancaster or one of the rabbis, right? Hazal, maybe Rashi. Um, but I have a quote here from somebody I haven't quoted in a couple years, um, C.S. Lewis. He's talking about pride. He says, There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Pride. Interesting. And then he says, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, all those are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Anti-God state of mind. That's pretty strong. It's the hardest sin to self-diagnose. I thought about that. And reading that quote from C.S. Lewis really just kind of drove it home for me, helped solidify that. Because we all know about other vices we have. We know if with Lashan Hara, if we're gossiping about somebody, we kind of know that. I shouldn't be saying this. If we're having lustful thoughts about somebody or something, you kind of know you shouldn't be thinking that. Pride's one of those uh, vices that's hard to self-detect. It's often not until one falls or one's humbled that you realize you've been prideful. It's sort of an after-the-fact realization. Korach had a problem with pride, and it really ended up consuming him, no pun intended. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of the rebellion of Korach here. Um, Jeanette read it for us this morning, but a little bit for our online friends. Parshat Korach begins in the 16th chapter of the book of Numbers. In verse 1, it says, Now Korah the son of Izhar, the son of Koath, son of Levi, and the sons of Reuben, Dathan and Abiram, and sons of Elab, and An, the son of Peleth, rose up against Moses and took 250 men from B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, men of renown who had been appointed to the council. They assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. They said to them, you've gone too far. 
all the community is holy, all of them, and Adonai is with them, then why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of Adonai? Notice what's happening here. Sounds like somebody has an ego, maybe a bit of a pride problem. Now know that Korak, of course, was a cousin to Moshe and Aaron. They're all family. He was a religious leader. He was a head over many households. He had a very prestigious position. And the sages teach that Korak felt some resentment. He wanted the privilege that was given to Aaron as the high priest. And he felt, who is this Moshe to give, of course, his brother Aaron the job? Sounded like nepotism to him. So Korak's pride is getting him into big trouble. I'm continuing on. When Moses heard this, he fell on his face. Um, then he said to Korak and his followers, saying, In the morning, Adonai, reveal who is his and who is holy. The one whom he will let come near to him will be the one he chooses to come near to him. Do this, Korah, and your whole following. Take for yourselves censers, put pride and incense into them in the presence of Adonai. Tomorrow that man that Adonai chooses will be the holy one. So Moshe here sets up a whole test that they're going to all meet in the morning, and Adonai is going to sort this thing out. Um, jump down to verse 16. Moses said to Korah, you and your whole following have to appear before Adonai. Um, each man take a censer, and you are to put incense into them, 250. You are to present it before Adonai. So each man took a censer, put incense into it, stood with Moses and Aaron at the tent of the meeting. When Korah and all his following had assembled in opposition to them at the entrance to the glory of the tent of meeting, or entrance to the tent of meeting, then the glory of Adonai appeared to the entire assembly. Then Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this assembly, so that I may consume them at once. Once again, the people, the rebellion, Adonai's pretty much done and is ready to wipe them all out once again. Once again, Moshe going to bail them out. Uh, verse 22, but they fell on their faces and cried out, O God, God of the spirits of all flesh, if one man sins, will you be angry with the entire community? Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the assembly, saying, move away from the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram. The elders of Israel followed after him, he warned the assembly, saying, move away from the tents of these wicked men. Don't touch anything that's theirs, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from near the dwelling of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram came outside and were standing at the entrance of their tent with their wives, their children, and little ones. Moses said, and Moses is going to kind of put him out here a little bit. Moses sort of, it seems like he's making uh, a little risky declaration here because um, he's going to kind of give a uh, prophecy here and hopefully it comes true. Moses said, by this you will know that Adonai has sent me to do all these works that they are not from my own heart. If every one of these men die a common death and they experience what happens to all people, then Adonai has not sent me. But if Adonai brings about a new thing and the earth, and the earth opens her mouth and swallows them, and everything that is theirs, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you will know that these men have despised Adonai. As soon as he finished saying these things, 
the ground split underneath them, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, along with all their households, all of Korah's people and their possessions, and they went down alive into Sheol, they and everything that was theirs, and the earth closed over them, and they were gone from among the community. That's a, it's a dangerous thing, pride. It causes, causes one to puff up, to swell up, to think one is more important. It led Korah here to harbor some resentment, which led to some discord, which led to rebellion. Solomon gives plenty of advice on pride. Rav Lorberg, in his commentary on Parashat Korach, cites Proverbs 8.13 as helpful guidance on pride. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8. It's on page 714 of the Tree of Life Bible. If you have one of the black ones, like the family version, that's 818. So 714 or page 818 for the little bit larger version of the Tree of Life. Proverbs chapter 8, starting in... So much good stuff here. It's hard to like pick a starting spot. Let's start in verse 12. The target verse is 13, but I like to start at at least the beginning of like a paragraph. Proverbs 8:12 says, "I wisdom dwell with prudence and acquire knowledge with discretion. To fear Adonai is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and a pru- perverse mouth. Obviously, pride and the word arrogance there is the same word in the Hebrew, ga'ah, which is a shoresh for pride or arrogance. The shoresh is gimel aleph hey. And it's pronounced as a shoresh as ga'ah. Everyone repeat after me, ga'ah. It even sounds like a prideful word, doesn't it? It's not like, you know, Ma'im, Chaim, living water sort of rolls off the tongue, but Ga'ah, it has sort of a something to it. And it all goes together here in verse, uh, verse 13, pride and arrogance, that it kind of leads to that uh, sinful deeds and sinful words, and the pride makes us blind to it. It's a clever sin, so to speak, if sin can be clever. And it's a sin that, left untreated, it blinds the sinner to his own sin. Turn over a few pages to Proverbs chapter 16. More on pride from Rob Lorberg. He's quoted this as well. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Probably one of the more well-known um, Proverbs about pride. 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit with the afflicted than to share the spoil with the proud. Rav Lorberg comments, he, he says, What we can gather from these verses concerning pride is that obviously Adonai hates it, and when you see pride in action, there's certain to be destruction following in its footsteps. Obviously, like we saw with Korak. 
A prideful, arrogant heart produces deception when you're not only deceived about yourself, so you can't self-detect it, but you incite others to the same deception, and that creates uh, rebellious and the destruction that followed them. Amen, Rav. <clears throat> now, one might object and say, listen, I'm thinking about this, and it sure seems like there's a lot of wicked people out there that are very prideful, yet they seem to prosper. Where's their destruction at? Well, sometimes, very much, Adonai is not concerned with the wicked. It is those he loves that he disciplines. Adonai loved Korak. Korak was one of the righteous Levites. Remember, he did not, Korak did not take place in the sin of the golden calf. As a matter of fact, he was one of the Levites that went to dispense justice to the idolaters after the golden calf. So Korah was very, very close. He was one of the Levites. He was to carry the holy things across the desert. He was very close to Hashem, which is why the chastisement was so great for what he'd done. From everyone much is given, much will be required. And from the one whom more is provided, all the more they will ask of him. Right? The wicked aren't given that much, spiritually speaking. Therefore, they receive little discipline. They seem to prosper. And they receive their reward in this world. That's okay. That's their choice. I would think we are given much. We have received revelation in one form or another. And we responded positively to it, which is why you are sitting here or listening to this online. Adonai disciplines the one he loves, the one who received much. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, quoting Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. Korach was loved. Him and his family had a wonderful opportunity to serve Adonai. Pride got in the way and corrupted him. Many people suffer from pride. Many people suffer from religious pride a sort of pride that seems just kind of right in a weird way. And it doesn't matter whether you're, uh, I think every faith, every denomination has people in their midst that are a little bit overzealous, a little bit too passionate, and that's where pride kind of comes in. Whether you're a cage stager Calvinist or a Torah terrorist, messianic. You know, it comes in all forms. The pride comes in all forms, and uh, it's kind of everywhere. Sure, here at Tree of Life, we're all about Torah. Torah will help you draw closer to God. It will enrich your spiritual life, but we are not in competition with anybody else. See, pride will tell you that they are wrong, and you have it right. But we all see dimly, like through a dark mirror, right? Shouldn't be puffed up. A little balance is needed. Pride is uh, naturally occurring. That's the difficult part of it. It happens to all of us, myself included. But left undetected and allowed to fester, we may find ourselves, ourselves in the shoes of Korah in a rebellion against the will of God when we think we are doing the will of God. That's the bizarre part about pride is people think they're doing the will of God when, in fact, they're in the midst of a pride issue. 
So the solution, of course, prayer is the solution. Um, simply ask for help for the ability to detect pride issues. One of the one prayer that I really love, one of my favorite proverbs. We have a minute, so let's turn there. To it's a psalm, Psalm one thirty nine. It's on page seven eighty three. Psalm 139, you know, when you ask for prayer, which this psalm does, that's always a great thing. But Psalm 139 begins by extolling the Lord and praising him. And uh, I think that's a great way to begin dialogue with the creators. You begin by extolling him, and then you invite him into your mind to give you revelation of your shortcomings. Love the way Psalm 139 is laid out. 139, verse 1, For the music director, a psalm of David. Adonai, you searched me, you know me. Whenever I sit down or stand up, you know it. You discern my thinking from afar. You observe my journeying and my resting, and you are familiar with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, Adonai, you know about it. You hemmed me, and behind and before, you hemmed me in behind and before, and you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your ruach? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, look, you are there too. If I take the wings of the dawn and settle on the other side of the sea, even there your hand even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely darkness covers me, night keeps light at a distance from me, even darkness is not dark for you, and the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are alike. For you have created my conscience, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am awesomely, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was unformed. And in your book were written the days that were formed, when not one of them had come to be. How precious are your thoughts, O God! How great is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloody men, for they speak about you with wicked intent. Your enemies reproach you in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, Adonai? Do I not loathe those who rise against you? I hate them with total hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Examine me and know my anxious, anxious thoughts and see if they're be any offensive way within me and lead me in the everlasting way. Amen. Love that. That's really got just great stuff that's helpful for me personally. Very helpful. The brother of our uh, Master Yeshua also has great advice. Great practical advice found many places in the scriptures. It's all over. But let's uh, wrap this up with some great stuff to think about in James chapter 1. 
It's on page 1175. We're going to close with a little bit of the book of James. Many people, much smarter than myself, believe this was written by Yaakov, the brother of Yeshua. And in, embedded in here is also great practical life advice. Let's begin in verse 9. But let the brother, this is James chapter 1, verse 9. But let the brother in humble circumstances boast in his high position, and the rich person is in his humble position, because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. Great kind of setting people in their place, right? For the sun arises with a scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance destroyed, so also the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will wither away. Happy is the one who endures testing. We all endure testing because he has stood the test and he will receive the crown of life. Right? These are rewards in the next. These are rewards in the kingdom. The wicked get them here. With the Lord promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be contempt or tempted by evil. And he himself tempts no one, but each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. That's pride working right there. Your own desire is going to begins that desire. Then when, he, then when desire has conceived, it gives, gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. That's the thing with pride. Pride gives birth to sin, but you're kind of blind to it. Then your sin becomes fully grown like Korah. Korah couldn't self-detect pride. It's a very difficult thing to do. And because he could not self-detect his pride, his sin became fully grown, and that resulted in his death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, um, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. By his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, let everyone, let every person be quick to listen. Now, there are three good things right here, and these are all anti-pride values. Let every person be quick to listen. Prideful people don't listen to anybody, right? Be slow to speak. Prideful people are quick to let you know when you're wrong. And be slow to anger. Prideful people get very irritated when they're confronted about their pride or truth. So you see, these three things, they fly in the face of pride. So we all, including myself, need to work on being quick to listen, being slow to speak, and being slow to anger. This is great stuff to uh, keep pride at bay. For human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God, so put away all moral filth and excess of evil and receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Amen and amen to that. May we all be people that are uh, seeking the Lord, seeking Torah, right? Drawing closer to the Lord, letting the uh, Torah be a light to our paths. May we be careful and aware of ourselves and our proclivity to pride and take the words of um, James um, very seriously. And may uh, his spirit be within us. May his spirit be shaping us 
and that spirit encouraging us as we await our king and our kingdom. Maranatha and Shabbat Shalom.